New Life Church. If you're a visitor this morning, welcome to you and thank you for joining us this morning on our Lord's Day as we worship together. I think six ladies in this congregation at least would have recognized that that song we just sang was from the book of Habakkuk. Um, so ladies, if you would like to in learn more about the book of Habakkuk, I really would encourage you to be part of those Bible studies. And I know just from the studies that I helped carry with, it has been an extreme blessing for me um, just to go through those books. And I'm pretty sure all of you will be blessed as you are studying together. And uh, I don't have my notes. My notes are in the bed. Not doing well with notes today. There we go. So we have been going through the book of Acts. Um, as you see there, the Gospel in Motion. That has been our series over the last few months. We have passed the middle of the book of Acts. We have seen in Acts chapter 15 this council that happened in order to resolve some dispute and some debate that was going on about how works are part of the gospel and how the gospel of grace is not to be um, perverted or converted by adding works to it. And we saw so far this Jerusalem council, they ended up resolving this issue and they wrote a letter about the freedom that the Gentiles have and we saw last week Paul and Barnabas, together with representatives from the church in Jerusalem, they took this letter to the church at Antioch. And when they were there, they, they continued to stay there teaching and preaching. So then Paul wants to go back now to visit some of the churches that he had started. And we look at, some of, we look at Paul's second missionary journey today as we continue in our study of the book of Acts. But remember back then, there was no such thing as Facebook, there's no such thing as TikTok or Instagram. So they, they want to go to the churches personally and to encourage them. But we'll see in our text today, unfortunately, there is disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. In fact, a big disagreement, a big fight that happens. And we read and we learn from our text this morning the, about this sharp disagreement that Paul and Barnabas have and how it is resolved. And that's what we will be looking at and how the Lord uses it for the extension of His kingdom. So we are going to read from verse 36 to verse 41 in Acts chapter 15. If you would please stand with me as we honor God's word and we read this portion of scripture together. Acts chapter 15 Verse 36 to verse 41. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him, 
and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Father, we thank you for this book of Acts that has been recorded for us, not just to gain information from, but to learn and to apply, even in our church. And we see, Lord, how truthfully these disagreements are recorded for us, that we can learn from. We know your word is inspired. We know it is profitable for instruction and training in righteousness. Lord, we ask that you would train us this morning. Help us to be conformed by the renewing of our minds. Help us to see how we can overcome disputes and tensions and even selfish egos and um, selfish agendas through your word. We pray today, Lord, that you would teach us through this difficult passage. But Lord, your spirit would help us to apply these truths into our own lives. As we all deal with selfish egos, as we all have to deal with ourselves, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would please be glorified in our responses this morning. So teach us, and I pray you help me, Lord, to explain this passage um, truthfully. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. I read a story this week about Thomas Edison. I'm sure you are familiar with um, this inventor. He invented a crazy contraption called a light bulb. And it took the whole team of men 24 straight hours just to put one light bulb together. And the story goes that when Edison was finished with this one light bulb, he gave it to a young boy helper. And this young boy, he nervously carried this light bulb up the stairs. And step by step, he cautiously watched his hands, obviously frightened of, of dropping such a, a priceless piece of, of work. You've probably guessed what happened by now. The poor young fellow, he dropped the light bulb at the top of the stairs. Well, it took the entire team of men 24 more hours to make another light bulb. And finally, tired and ready for a break, Edison was ready to have his bulb carried up the stairs. And who do you suppose he trusted with the task of carrying this light bulb up the stairs this time? Well, he gave it to the same young boy who dropped the first one. Well, I'm glad for second chances, aren't you? Um, and I want to speak to you this morning about the God of the second chances. That is the title of my message, the God of second chances. And I think there's a lot that we can relate to in our text this morning. We learn of the imperfections of Paul and Barnabas as normal sinful human beings. But we too make mistakes because we carry around the same remaining sin as these two godly men did. We fail we fall into sin. But sin and despair doesn't have to be the last word. It doesn't have to be the end of the story if we belong to Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded today, we need to be reminded every day, that even when we fail, even when we sin, God can restore us. God can forgive us. 
So are you living today, perhaps in defeat, by some past sin? Are you here wondering if God could ever use you for anything? Well, today in our text, we'll see how God works through less than favorable circumstances to accomplish His will, His perfect plan. So my first point this morning is in verse 36 to verse 39. And we see here Paul's concern for two things which we will look at. Paul's concern. Look with me in verse 36 in your Bibles. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Well, there's a couple of things here about the Apostle Paul that we learn. First and foremost, we see his deep love and his deep concern for the saints, for the believers. Remember, these were new churches that had just been formed, and these new Gentile brothers and sisters were really Paul's passion. They were Paul's heartbeat. And of course, his first passion was the Lord Jesus Christ, but second to that, we all see that his love for these new believers. And his plan was to take this letter that he just received from the Jewish um, council, Jerusalem council, and to take it to these churches and encourage them with what the, the council had um, decided. And to help them understand that there is nothing that needs to be added to the, the gospel of grace alone. That they didn't have to become Jews in ethnicity, in their nationality, in order to be Christians. Paul was excited about this. And he wanted to share this good news with these new Gentile believers. And of course, when he returned, um, we saw to Antioch, he visited the saints there. He encouraged them there. He taught them the word of God for a while, encouraging them in their faith before he is planning to go on his second trip to these other churches. But Paul was also concerned and he cared a lot about his ministry team. The team that went with him to these new cities, these Gentile places, to start these, these churches um, there in these Gentile regions. But look at verse 37. Something happens here. Something happens in verse 37. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Well, this is really a sad record of just two godly men clashing over their own private opinions and their own private um, likes and dislikes. And Luke says in verse 38 that Paul didn't think it wise to take Mark because in Pamphylia he had withdrawn from them. Remember Mark was part of the original team. But in Pamphylia Mark left him. Mark left him and Paul has some very real concerns. He has some very real feelings about this. The word withdrawn here in the ESV, in the Greek, literally means deserted. It means apostatized. Those are strong words. 
Well, Mark didn't apostatize his faith. He didn't abandon his faith. But Mark did abandon his team. This is more than just leaving and going home. He deserted his team in an hour of need. Because of this, Paul does not want to take Mark with him on this next trip. I think Paul was right to refuse to take Mark along. Paul doesn't dislike Mark. There's no personality clash. There is, there's a principle here. He simply doesn't think it wise to take Mark with him. But on the other hand, we have Barnabas, who has a different opinion. Barnabas wants to take him with. And here, the account of John Mark's desertion really sounds harmless enough, but in reality, he abandoned his friends when they were counting on his help. You don't have to turn there, but let me remind you, in Acts chapter 13, we read, in verse 13, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. We don't know why. We don't know why Mark left. This is all the information that we have. We can only speculate as to why he left. But whatever the reason, Paul needed him at that point. Paul needed him, and in his time of trial, Mark was not there. Mark had deserted them. We're not sure why exactly Barnabas, on the other hand, is, is so set on bringing Mark back along. We don't know. The, the reasons aren't given. But we do know from Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, that Mark and Barnabas are related. They are, in fact, cousins. We read about that in Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. So maybe their blood relations seem to be stronger than maybe his logical thinking at this time. Maybe his, his judgment is overtaking his family loyalties. We don't know. We can speculate. But I want you to notice this dis disagreement that they had did not stop the gospel from going out into the world. Of course, that is not possible, no? Nothing can stop God's perfect plan. Nothing can stop God's plan. We read in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. Even the disagreements that we may have are within this all things that we read about here in Romans chapter 8. Even the disagreements... The different opinions are part of these all things that God can use for His purposes. God will even take our failures and He will use them for His glory and He will use them for our good. I'm not excusing sin, okay? I'm not saying, well, that means that we can just behave in any way that we want and, and God will just use it. That's not what the Scripture is teaching. And Paul answers this by saying, May it never be. May it never be. Of course not. But the point is God used this still for His purposes. Then we come to verse 40. We see God's concern. We see God's concern. We've seen Paul's concern. Now we see God's concern for His glory. The first part, the last part of verse 39. Look in your Bibles in Acts chapter 15. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed 
having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Verse 41. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. What we see here is that even with human disagreement, God still has the last word. Even in spite of their selfish tendencies, God's will is still accomplished. And instead of having just one missions team, now there are two mission teams that are accomplishing the Great Commission. We do serve a sovereign God who works all things to accomplish His purpose in spite of our opinions, in spite of our methods, in spite of our egos, in spite of our selfishness, in spite of us. Thank God for that. Amen. There's another dynamic here working, isn't there? We looked a little bit at this last week. If Satan cannot damage the church through false teaching, like he tried to with the, the Judaizers, remember, and um, the whole debate they had at the Jerusalem Council, if he cannot damage the church from the outside, he will try to damage the church from the inside. And as we saw last week, one of his tactics is to stir up discord among the brothers and sisters within the church to stop the work of the Lord. And if he can call these if he can cause these leaders to, to disagree with each other, perhaps the church can be damaged from the inside and stop the work which they have been called to do. But again, we see in our passage, God has the last word. It's also interesting to note that the church is still unified. There is still unity here amongst the church. Um, we see what happens. The church sanctions Paul and Silas's mission trip, and the church sends them off. Now, it's difficult to take a particular side here in this debate because we really don't have a lot of information. But from what we do know, if I was to pick a side, I would say Paul was right in refusing John Mark. I think Barnabas let his family interests and family loyalties really override his, um, his logic in this particular um, situation. But notice the church sends Paul and Silas off. They don't send Barnabas and Mark off. Notice that. And notice also, after this point here in our passage, we will never hear again about Barnabas in the book of Acts. We don't hear anything about him. That's the end of his story. But I want us to see one last thing today. The end of verse 40 and verse 41. God's concern for his people. God's concern for his people. So we've established here, Paul and Barnabas, they, they split up and they go their separate ways. Like I said, we don't hear anything more about Barnabas. But that's not the end of Barnabas's story. We will see his name again in the Bible. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. This is a very encouraging part of the scriptures. Galatians chapter 2 verse 1 tells us, who's writing Galatians? Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. And he says, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. 
taking Titus along with me. Paul is again serving with who? Barnabas. At some point, we don't know when, but God brings Barnabas and Paul back together again. And these two men who had this sharp disagreement, this sharp discord, they still cared for each other. They still loved each other. And God would bring these two friends together again to serve together. We also see Mark. We know that Mark at one point, he was, he was unfit for gospel ministry at the time Paul and Barnabas split. But we also read about Mark later on as well. This is not the end of his story either. God was not finished with either one of them. And years later, at the end of Paul's life, Paul sees Mark very, very differently. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. I think at this point Mark has really grown in his faith. He's matured in his faith. Um, and he has proven himself in gospel ministry. We, we learn from our passage of scripture that Peter even disciples Mark. And also remember, Mark becomes the writer of the, the gospel of Mark. So 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 12. By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. This is Peter writing about Mark very affectionately. But turn quickly, if you would, to 2 Timothy. I'm sorry, you're flipping through the pages. I hope you enjoy these pages, flipping through your fingers. I enjoy listening to this. 2 Peter chapter 4. Second, sorry, 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 sorry. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Who's writing Timothy? This is Paul writing now, okay? 2 Timothy 4, 9. He says... Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is very useful to me for the ministry. Get Mark and bring him with you. That is very, very different to what we read about in our passage in Acts chapter 15, isn't it? But I want you to see from this very important lesson this morning that God is the God of second chances. Get Mark and bring him with you. Now folks, you may be here today feeling the, the weight of some sin in your life. And you may be because of a past failure thinking that God cannot use you. And perhaps you feel defeated. Perhaps you feel discouraged. Well, your past does not need to define you. Your past does not need to define you. As believers, we need to live in light of who we are now, not of who we were in the past. I love the book of Jonah. There's a little verse in there, in passing, really, that 
confirms what I'm talking about, Jonah 3. You don't have to turn it. Let me read it for you. In verse 1, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. The second time. The second time. The first time God commanded Jonah to go, what did he do? He refused. He refused. There was no way Jonah was going to Nineveh. No way. But he learned his lesson. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time. There are other examples of God giving second chances all throughout the, the scriptures. I'm also reminded of Peter, the apostle Peter. We read about him in Luke chapter 22. Turn there with me, please, if you would. Luke chapter 22. In Luke 22, verse 56. Luke 22, 56. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man also was with him. Verse 57. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter had succumbed to fear, and he committed a very serious sin against the Lord. He lied three times. He denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. He denied that he even knew who Jesus was. But thankfully, God is the God of second chances. We read in Mark 16, verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. It's interesting that Mark wrote those words. Mark, who was discipled by Peter, reminds us of these second chances. Jesus lovingly reinstates Peter, giving him the charge to his sheep, to feed his sheep, to shepherd his sheep. And past defeat and failure and sin must not have the last word in a Christian's life. Past defeat, failure and sin must not have the last word in a Christian's life. I read the story that I want to close with this morning. If you're a, a, a sports fan, you would appreciate this. It's about an American football team, the Georgia Tech team in California, from the University of California. It was on New Year's Day in 1929. And during the first half of the game, a player by the name of Roy Regals, he recovered a fumble for California on his own 
35-yard line. While in evading some of the Georgia Tech tacklers, Regals became confused. And he started running 65 yards in the wrong direction. And one of his teammates outran him and tackled him on the yard line just before he was about to score for the opposite team. <laughs> and then on the next play, when California attempted to kick it out of it, the end zone, the Tech blocked the kick and they <coughs> scored a safety, which was the ultimate margin of victory. But that strange play came near the end of the first half. And everyone watching the game was asking the same question. What will the coach say to Roy Siegels in the second half? And the players filed off the field and trudged into the dressing room. And they sat down on the benches and, and on the floor. Everyone except Regals. He pulled his blanket around his shoulders and he sat down in a corner. And he put his face in his hands and he wept like a baby. The coach usually has a great deal to say to his team during half-time, but that afternoon the coach was quiet. No doubt he was trying to decide what to do with Regals. And then the timekeeper came in and announced that there were three minutes before the start of the second half. And Coach Price looked at the team and simply said, Men, the same team that started the first half will start the second half. And the players got up and they started out. Everybody except Roy Regals. He didn't budge. And the coach looked back and called to him again. Still, Regals didn't move. And Coach Price walked over to Regals and said, Roy, didn't you hear me? The same team that started the first half will start the second half. And Roy Regals looked up and his cheeks were wet with tears. Coach, he said, I can't do it. I've disgraced you. I've disgraced the University of California. I've disgraced myself. I couldn't face that crowd to save my life. And Coach Nips Price put his hand on Regal's shoulder and said, Roy, get up and go on back. The game is only half over. And Roy Regal's did go back. And those tech players testified that they had seldom seen a man play as Roy Regals did in that second half. And they went on to win the game. When I read that story deep inside, I said, wow, what a, what a coach. When I read the stories of John Mark, when I read the stories of Peter and Jonah, and the stories of a, a thousand men and women like that, we need to say, what a God. What a God. You know, we take the ball often, and we often run in the wrong direction. And we often stumble, and we often fall. And we're so ashamed of ourselves that we never want to try again. And God comes in the person of Jesus Christ and puts His nail-printed hand on our shoulder. And He says, get up and go on back. The game is only half over. And that's the good news of the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the good news of the forgiveness of sins. And that's the gospel of the second chances that we, that we benefit from. The gospel of third chances, the gospel of fourth chances, the gospel of a hundred chances. The Bible says if we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't give up. Don't forget that we serve the God of second chances. Father, we do thank you for your word today. Father, I'd love to one day meet Paul and Barnabas and even John Mark to learn from them how you reconciled them and how you brought them back together to love each other and to care for each other and even to minister again with each other. And I'm so thankful for this restoration that we can have in our Savior Jesus Christ. So thankful for the gospel. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive us. Help us, Lord, to be people who are forgiving. Help us to remember, Lord, that we are that we are forgiven so that we would forgive. Help us to be people who fight for unity, who love unity. Help us to be people that are bonded in the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to move forward and to move ahead, not living in the past, not looking back at our defeats and our failures, but looking forward to the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we all know one day we will give an account, and one day we will stand before you, Help us not to waste our lives with doubt and grief and even unfaithfulness, Lord. But may we live our lives. May we live our lives without any regret. May we live our lives for your glory, Lord. And when we hear you come, and when you do come, may we hear you say to us, Well done, my good and faithful servant. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name.